Okay, so I'm going to kick it off. I would introduce Keith, but Keith's kind of introduced himself, and he introduced Zeppelin, and he introduced the Foo Fighters, he introduced Fish. Uh, but I've got a couple of words just to give you context. Um, I know you have received an email. I've talked to a number of you about this transformational coaching program, but I thought I'd kick it off. And because I'm me, uh, there's going to be a quick video because I have to. Um, and then I'll turn it over to Keith. He's going to talk about kind of what to expect. We'll do some Q&A with Keith because y'all read his book. Now you get a chance to be uh, live and in person with him. Any questions you might have? And then Caitlin will close us just running through logistics, what to expect over the next several weeks. So you'll make sure you know what group you're in. You'll know kind of how long each session is, what the expectations are there. And then we'll have you back to your day jobs by the top of the hour. So I thought I'd start with a quote. Um, and the reason I picked this one is I, I see such opportunity for us to evolve and develop and grow, but it's not gonna happen today. And it's not gonna happen on the first session. It won't even happen on the sixth session. It'll happen because you choose to make it happen and you choose to invest in yourself. And we've all been to those workshops or those seminars where you're like, this content's amazing. And you end the session and the, the hypothetical binder goes on the shelf just to collect dust bunnies, never to be looked at or thought of again. And you didn't change a damn thing. In which case the workshop and the conference and the event had zero impact. So my challenge to you is going to be as we walk through this, this isn't just a passive exercise where you're listening to somebody tell you about, oh, this is the best practice for coaching. No, this is a challenge for you to coach differently, to be introspective on the things that you do really well, the things maybe you don't do so well, the areas where you can improve, the ways in which your team can benefit from a different approach that that's where the value is going to come. So just know today and every day through this program, and quite frankly, every day during your very long tenure with LHC Group, I'm going to keep challenging you to be the best version of yourself. And that's going to be calling back on something that some one of your peers said, something that Keith said, maybe that Scott Toby said. Like we, We're going to challenge each other to be the best versions of ourselves because our teams need that. And so it's not an intensity exercise it's a consistency exercise and this is one where you know oh i coached great yesterday okay that yeah oh, that's good for you but how about today and tomorrow and the day after that uh, and i think it's our opportunity to really break the culture um our culture at this company is amazing i think our coaching culture needs work because the number of times i've heard reference to coaching exclusively as a Oh, that person needs some coaching or my favorite air quotes, least favorite. Well, I'm going to either coach them up or coach them out, which makes it sound like coaching is this. There's this line of demarcation. And if you don't get Mark, coached well Mark, enough, you're Mike, out. Mike, Mike, I just got to jump in because when I hear that, it literally almost gives me a heart attack. And we'll talk yeah. about it later. Yeah. So just know he, that's something that. I think is, let's say it's universal, but I've heard it a bunch. And so this is our chance. We're not going to live in the past of what we've said. If you've been on this, if you're on this call and you're like, oh crap, I've said that, that's okay. We're just going to stop that today. We're, we're going to look at it differently. We're going to position it differently. We're going to talk about it differently. We're going to think about it differently. And we're going to coach differently. So uh, because I get a nickel every time I show a Simon Sinek video, that's actually not true. If it was true, I would have a lot of nickels. But I've got a quick three-minute video that I think drives that point home, 
and then we'll talk about it for a second, and then I'll turn it over to Keith. So let's hope that the audio works. Caitlin, I'll be watching your face. You can give me a thumbs up to confirm that audio is working, and here we go. I can't see the video mic for some reason. So I heard a couple people in the chat saying they couldn't hear it or couldn't see it. It is being recorded. We'll send this out. So if you happen to miss it, uh, you'll get to watch it there. Uh, and we'll also, Kayla, when we send it, we'll send a link to the video on YouTube for those who want to just see the video by itself. Uh, a couple of thoughts before I turn it over to Keith. 
consistency is important to me. It's one of the core themes we're talking about today. Because um, again, if we said, oh, coaching is important and here's how to coach, but we don't actually do it. Uh, it's like that tree falling in the forest, nobody hearing it. Like we, we need to be all about the consistency and leaning in to acknowledge that there is a different path. There is a better way. There is an opportunity for improvement and development. One of the things that Josh Prophet and I have spent a lot of time this last year talking about is we need to do more to invest in our leaders so our leaders can invest in our people. I'm not going to say that starts today, but a big chapter of that book starts today. And I'm super thankful that y'all are here, that you're willing to engage. I know it's 21 hours of your life over the next two months. That feels like a lot of time. Let me just break it down. And when this is one thing I said to Josh yesterday, he's like, wow, that's a lot of time. I said, Josh, how many days a week do we think our leaders should coach our teams? He's like, it feels like the answer is all of them. <laughs> yes, the answer is all of them. How many days a week do we expect them to be in the field, face-to-face -face, coaching our people? He's like, I think it's like three or four. Let's just go with three. So we expect our leaders to be in the field coaching their teams a minimum of 24 hours a week, but we're concerned about 21 hours cumulative of development in the skills to do those 24 hours a week better. He's like, I'm not worried about that at all. That seems like a really good investment. That's why we're here. So there's an accountability we all have. Uh, we're investing in, Keith, Keith is investing in us, the next trick is to actually invest in ourselves and invest in our teams and be willing to be vulnerable and raise our hand and say, Keith, I don't know what that means. Keith, I'm struggling with that. Keith, I tried that after last week's session and it didn't go very well. We have to have that. It, there's no shame in that. The shame would be sitting there silently nodding your head, not getting it and not improving. That That's the loss. The loss isn't acknowledging that I don't know how to do it. The loss is not getting better and not being willing to acknowledge it. So with that, uh, we have a slide to show how freaking awesome Keith Rosen is. Uh, ra raise your virtual hand uh, if you had the opportunity to read his book that I sent you back in December, The Coaching Salespeople into Sales Champions. Like, this dude's legit, like, wrote a book, right? Um, and, and it's more than that. Uh, it is, there's the chance, I think, to write a book and be like, look at all the things that I know. There's a difference between that and then actually being that person 24-7. And in my experience, Keith is that person 24-7. I, I don't want or need someone who wrote a book and is going to read the book to us. Like, that, we don't need kindergarten book reading hour. Like, what we need is someone who can challenge us, who actually walks the walk and talks the talk and can model the behavior for us. Because the more he models it for us, then we have the chance to learn from it and then model it for our teams. So with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Keith. Uh, he's gonna say some, a few words and I know he wants to do some Q&A with you. So I'm gonna shush and turn it over to Keith. <laughs> All right, thank you so much. Uh, I need to go ahead and go to the view so I can see everybody's smiling faces. Um, I think you have to sh stop sharing I can do that. I can do that. Thank you, sir. All right. Now I can see everyone. So welcome, everyone. I, and by the way, Mike, wow, 
wow, what a, what a great video to, to, to position the work we're doing. And I think if, if I was to pull out a few things in there, uh, the one thing is everyone talks about, oh, this is another training course. This is another training course. Uh, no, this is not a tra training course. This is a transformational course. All right. Focusing on results doesn't help the result uh, manifest any faster. Just like uh, Mike was sharing in the video, it's the process. It's the compound effect. You know, doing one thing over and over produces the result. Wouldn't it be great if we can go to the gym one day a month and be in great shape? It would save me countless hours a month. OK, so point is, number one, compound effect. How often do you coach? ABCs of coaching. Always be coaching. I always find it interesting when managers uh, share with their managers and they sanction this and they say, okay, guys, I want you guys to be coaching 70% of the time. Once I hear that, that company has no clue what coaching is about. Managers complain coaching takes too long. That means you're not coaching. You're doing something else. And what you'll find as we work together at the sim most simplistic form, your job is complicated enough. My, my job's not here to make your job more difficult. In fact, my job is to make your life, your career, building yourself, building your company and building your team infinitely easier. Because what you will find in every conversation and every meeting we have together it's all about having that level of communication. You know, just like if some of you speak a different language, you know, French, Spanish, Italian, Urdu, uh, German, whatever it is, okay, that's a different language. Well, in the most simplistic terms, over the time we spend together, and Mike certainly said that, it's focusing on not only on what you do, but it's how you communicate, because we're all strategic. But, but taking it to the next level is becoming a strategic communicator. And it's not about the result, it's about the process. And it's about not just being vulnerable as in putting yourself in harm's way, it's about being vulnerable as in being human, being authentic, being transparent. Because if you want your people to do the same, it all starts with you. And that's the good news. Avalanches roll downhill. So keep in mind, if we want our people to be open, to be coachable, to be vulnerable, to trust you, change starts with us. That's called the law of reciprocity. So and I'm going to now turn it over to, to Mike. Uh, sorry for that side rant, but it just uh, kind of triggered a few things that I just wanted to make sure uh, you guys captured and we drove it home. Cool, uh, Keith. Well, well said. So guys, we have a chance to ask questions of the guy that wrote the book that we all read. I'm hoping there's some questions out there. I know this is not a shy bunch. Uh, I have evidence of that because uh, five minutes before the call actually started, we had a 10 minute conversation about uh, rock bands. So I know y'all aren't shy. So we'll start uh, Paul McCloskey with you. Uh, take it away, Paul. No, Paul raised your hand, but you're on mute. Where, where's the jar that has to put the money in for talking on mute? Um, <laughs> with with establishing the, the the trust and the vulnerability with your team, you know, what is a realistic timeline before you feel like they'll actually be um, 
vulnerable in return and also you know is it possible to get to the point where they can provide feedback to me about me as a coach manager supervisor etc without fear of you know consequence got it so building that trust and vulnerability and then of course uh on the other side having that reciprocated did i hear that right yeah okay perfect um I just want to make a point also to something Mike said in terms of these three and a half hour sessions moving forward. I will guarantee you guys, and I'm not a betting person, after the first session, you're going to say, number one, it went so fast. Number two, I can't wait for the second one. Because guys, just like Mike said, I'm not sitting here reading you a book. All right. I'm making the book come alive. Problem with books is a book doesn't answer your question. A book doesn't hold you accountable. A, a book isn't personalized to your issues. Okay. Uh, but now we're bringing all that alive. So when it comes to building trust, for those of you who may have read my book, and it, it's not a prerequisite, guys, so don't worry about that. I talk about the art of enrollment, okay? Now, the art of enrollment is something that we're gonna be doing on our second session. Uh, you probably received two emails from me already. First email was just a welcome in my introduction. The second email, it says first coaching session, that's going to be for our first official coaching session, which is going to be for that three and a half hours. So that second email is not for today. It's for our first official call. Let me get back to answering your question. Um, many people feel trust is difficult, not only to earn, but also to rebuild. And I've lost count how many companies, when I ask the question, do you guys have departmental silos? Inevitably, I hear yes, but if we're looking to change a culture, evolve a culture, everyone needs to be focused and aligned towards the same goal. And the reason, I will tell you right straight up, making your life simpler, the reason for departmental silos, the reason for mistrust, the reason for pushback around change, the reason for your feedback not being received the resistance to holding people accountable or even coaching them comes down to one thing enrollment setting positive intent and without me even giving you what i call the enrollment model the elides model uh, i know each of you are capable of doing this immediately just by sharing this model you see, what happens most of the time, and again, I really want to make sure I, I dive into your and answer your question. Most of the time when we're looking to make changes or people to come to us and they're questioning the change and there might be some pushback, typically the manager will say, hey, here's what we're doing. And your directs or coworkers or even other departments might say, well, why? And the typical answer is, well, that's what I was told we have to do, so we have to do it. Now, if you say that to your team, they want to keep their job, yeah, they'll do it. But it's sort of like what Mike referenced to last time is you can go to an event, get real pumped up, leave, and you fall back in your own ways. Why? Because there's no reinforcement, there's no consistency, and there's no accountability. So jumping back here in terms of building trust, I want to share with you something to write down here, okay? When intentions aren't clear, 
people default to fear. And so do you. So when we're having a conversation about enrolling or trying to create buy-in, we can talk and get on our soapbox and talk about, well, these are the reasons why we have to do it. And this is, you know, this is why we have, this is, this is what I was told we have to do. And, you know, this should help. So we got to do it. Does not create alignment and buy-in. See, what's missing is you guys are just talking about the change. What's missing is the why and the how. So now it sounds like, hey, um, team, listen, uh, what I want for each of you is to be as excited as possible about the work that I'm doing so that I could be the best leader and coach for you. That's what I'm doing to become a better coach. Why to be the best coach and leader for you? Because what I want is to make sure I'm there as a resource to support you in achieving your goals. There's your why, guys. And that, uh, what, why, okay? and then create the new possibility. Are we open to exploring this so we can improve our relationship and make sure coaching is uh, aligned with what you expect and valuable for you? Because you can do that all day. And by the way, if you didn't capture all that, and you're like, Keith, you said that too fast. Don't worry about it. Number one, it's in your handbook. And number two, I always send reinforcement PDFs to focus specifically on what we will be working on. So many people believe that trust has to be uh, a long process to build. Uh, and if you violated trust, like I've shared before, when we're you know, running to another department and we say, I need this now, or sales runs to sales engineering, I need this now, you know, or sales runs to marketing or operations, I need this now. You know what we're not doing? We're not respecting other people's point of view. We're not respecting that even though I have an agenda and I need something, they have an agenda and they need something too. And the coolest thing about what we're touching on now is the fact that if you're looking to not only build trust, you can rebuild trust. Now, again, I'm not just a theory guy, okay? To transform, you're not just changing what you do, you're also changing how you think, okay? So, Right now, we're focusing on the language of leadership, the language of coaching. So what would that sound like? Real quick. Hey, Mr. or Mrs. Um, uh, coworker, you know, uh, what I want for us is, is to really have a, a, a valuable, trusting relationship where we're both resources for each other. And listen, reflecting on our last conversation, I think I owe you an apology. And I am sorry if I've ever come to you only focused on what I need without respecting what, what you need as well. So I was hoping I can hit the reset button on our relationship so we can redesign it in a way where it's beneficial for you and so we can, uh, uh, show, so we can achieve our collective goals. Are you open to that? Guys, you tell me, who's going to say no to that? And you tell me, who's ever tried that? Okay. And if you say, well, I tried something like that, Keith, I could say, well, I try playing uh, golf, something like that. I, yeah, I swung the club, something like that. And then when the coach asks me to swing the club, I swing it like a bat. What's well, something like that? No. Precision. Coaching is a precise language. 
what I shared with you, and if we had time, I would break it up. Notice I apologize. That vulnerability right there, perfect example, building trust, being human, okay? Uh, resetting expectations, letting them know what's in it for them. That's how you rebuild trust. That's how you build trust, guys. And I'm telling you right now, and this is the coolest thing, is you can do that in one conversation. In one conversation, okay? You can build or rebuild trust. And again, notice the language I used. I'm sorry. I apologize if I didn't honor you. And I, I really want to reset, reset our relationship. That's all good language to use, guys. Oh, and by the way, you can use that with your in team and guess who else can use it your salespeople with your customers so did i answer your question on that one yes thank you okay my pleasure that was a juicy one keith i have a i have a question for you i think you a lot of what you said answers it but how do we ensure that we set the table for coaching isn't something we do because you did something wrong <laughs> versus coaching is a positive thing that we're investing in you. How, how do we do that up front so people feel good about it as we approach it? <laughs> I, I'm only smiling and I'm smiling in a good way because I've, I've lost count how many times I've been working with, uh, and I've had, just so you know, I've had the privilege and the pleasure of working with hundreds of thousands of sales leaders like you and salespeople on 76 countries and six continents, probably not hitting Antarctica anytime soon. My point is I have validated that coaching is that universal language. So when it comes to, um, uh, when I deliver this program, it doesn't matter where I am. I could be in India, I could be in South Africa, I could be in uh, Malaysia or, uh, wherever I am, South America. And sometimes I will hear inevitably from a manager, Keith, do we have to call it coaching? Now, once I hear that, in the beginning of me hearing that, I'm like, well, yeah, it's what it is. And then as I kept hearing it, I felt that was a great coaching moment. And I would ask the, the person who shared that with me and I would say, well, may I ask why you want to change the name coaching to something else? And it, and this inevitably goes back to what you shared is, well, Keith, because uh, every time I tried to coach, um, I don't think people really received it well and it backfired on me. And uh, I was only coaching the problem child. Um, and the way we rolled it out, uh, there was no consistency. There was no accountability. wasn't even a framework. And quite frankly, it failed. So people are really reluctant to be coached. I don't suppose anyone here has ever been in that position. Guys, just so you know, for the rest of our time together, I am very sarcastic. Okay. Now, <clears throat> how do you reset that? How do you reset that? That's a great opportunity to reset conversations. So when I ask, when managers tell me that, I kind of have fun with them. I'm like, what do you want to call it? You want to call it dancing? Okay, let's call it dancing. So there I am, um, I'm speaking to a direct report. Now, this is going to sound really weird. And the direct report says, hey, where are we going? 
Now I'm thinking I'm going to coach this person, but I can't call it coaching. I have to call it dancing. So, and I've done this with my wife. Okay. Hey honey, we're going to go dancing when I really want to coach it, which by the way, uh, she told me 26 years of marriage. Don't try using that Jedi mind trick stuff on me. She's much smarter than me. So I said, honey, we're going out. Uh, are you trying to coach me? No, no, honey. I'm not trying to coach you. We're going dancing. So we go to this place and she's looking around. Like, Keith, there's a bar and there's a dance floor. Clearly we're dancing. You know, I don't like to dance. No, 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 no. We're not. We're, no, no, no. We're not dancing. We're, we're, we're going to do something else. We're just going to walk on, on this platform and we're just going to undulate. Okay. We're just going to move around. She's like, that, that sounds like dancing. Keith. No, 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 no. It's not dancing. What's my point? You can't change the name of coaching because it's coaching. The problem is, is that we positioned it the wrong way. What's the solution? Re-enrollment. Guys, most of the challenges that you're running into will be resolved with these coaching talk tracks that we're going to continually build together. And most of the time, you're not hearing me talk. Most of the time, you're going to be working with your peers one-on-one -on -one because there is so much intellectual capital here that's not being shared that needs to be shared so we can all grow and learn from each other. So uh, when it comes down to coaching, it's not changing the word, it's reinventing the word. And it could be done simply as, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Coachee, you know, <laughs> You know, sometimes I understand you're a little reluctant to being coached and, you know, I want to take full responsibility for that. Guys, language, when you take responsibility for things, it's amazing what happens when people open up. You know, you point fingers. Yeah, they're going to shut down. So listen, I, you know, after working a few times, you know, going through this coaching course, I've done you a disservice. What I'd love to do is hit the reset button. Great language. Uh, and your and your salespeople can do this too, as I said, on our relationship and redesign coaching so it's valuable for you. Would you be open to having that dialogue? Who's going to say no to that? You say it with authenticity, authenticity. You say it from your heart. People will be receptive. Okay. But we don't use that enrollment language. Okay. We're not saying, here's what we're doing here's why we're doing it and the most important part which is amazing because we coach and train our salespeople on this every day you got to sell value you have to sell the with them you have to sell what's in it for me the customer well guess what everyone's focused on their own with them anytime you approach someone they're thinking what's in it for me that's why it is so critical on that last part of enrollment to let them know hey here's what we're doing for business imagine this here's our business objectives Here's your personal goal. Imagine if we're able to align business objectives with your personal goal. Imagine the exponential output you would get because people now understand, oh, if I do this at work, I achieve this at home. So uh, creating that re-enrollment and realignment, it's just a conversation. And I know my dear managers, some of you may just love to over-engineer everything. You don't have to with coaching. Okay, so great stuff. Thank you. I uh, hope, uh, hope that question was answered. If not, let me know. But one of my favorite things that came out of that, Keith, <clears throat> a couple of you had asked me, 
hey, shouldn't we focus on sales training and not sales coaching? Hey, we're doing both. Because if we as leaders model this behavior and that behavior then threads through and our account executives and our teams, they are automatically going to be having better conversations. So to me, it's kind of a twofer. Uh, so I just uh, want to jump on that before before yeah. I have a senior moment is uh, number one to your to your point you know we're also solving a universal conundrum here Mike and everyone else is that you have a great salesperson you promote them into management they're not trained or trained how to coach but they know how to sell so now imagine this right so you guys assuming many of you know how to sell you just hired me I'm running into some challenges right I'm coming to you hey boss I need some help. Well, you don't know how to coach and you don't know the process to ask. So what do you do? You want to help them. So you say, you know what? I've been in your role. I've dealt with this so many times. This is what you should do. And what we're not doing is coaching. We're falling into the destructive role of chief problem solver. And you cannot scale dependency. So um mike again that was the second thing you mentioned something earlier uh and i didn't want to step over it um would you would you remind repeating that um the things that you pulled out of what i had shared that was one just thing you mentioned yeah just that this is people had said why aren't we doing sales training why are we doing sales coaching but it's yeah, a two super important um let me let me make everyone's life easier on this one okay keith when do i train when do i coach Guess what? If you are thinking, how do I motivate people? How do I hold people accountable? How do I know if they need training or coaching? You're asking the wrong person. Ask them. Mr. and Mrs. Coachee, how can I be your accountability partner in a way that would sound positive and not like I'm micromanaging them? You, okay? And follow up. And don't worry, guys, I'm sending this to you. It's in your handbook. And what about follow-up, follow-up accountability? How do you want me to follow up with you in a way that would sound supportive and not negative? Guys, when you do this, and I know most people do not like conflict and confrontation. So p managers think holding people accountable is so difficult because they're like, I don't wanna micromanage them, but I don't wanna give them too much rope for them to hang themselves. So what do we just do? They set up the rules. They set up the rules, they own it. They own it, we're never the bad guy. So, you know, getting back to that point, um, you know, and, and, and uh, looking at the coaching relationship, um, that is all self-designed by you and that other person. So I uh, just wanted to make sure uh, we nailed that down. Cool, thank you, Keith. So keeping with our music theme, I'm gonna say, I'm sorry, Ms. Jackson. Uh, Sue, we'll go to you next. I love that. Oh, well, thank you. So, um, Keith, you kind of answered my question a, a little bit. So, I kind of wanted to elongate it maybe a little bit. Like, what happens um, when you have people that are resistant to coaching? We talked a little bit. You, know, you mentioned problem children, but what about those like good children that could be great? Like, you, we see that they have so much more that they can do. Like, what are some of your thoughts about that? Okay, great stuff. So I'm just going to throw a whole bunch of stuff here. Number one, we don't coach only the problem child. 
And then if you want to know why coaching your A players and your B players don't want to be coached, it's because A, everyone talks on your team and B, they're observing that the only people in the time you coach is when there's a problem or you're only coaching the underperformer. So what do you think your B and your A players are thinking? Well, clearly coaching is for the broken wing. I'm not broken. I don't need coaching. That's number one. We we position that everyone gets coached. Everyone gets coached consistently uh, when it comes to enrolling. OK, now keep in mind, we coach a challenge. But we also coach a win. Excuse me, guys. There's something else I just wanted to write down and share with you guys. So. When managers are approaching people, they're often thinking, OK, I have a problem to solve. OK. But what if it's more of not a problem, but an, oppor an opportunity to create something new? Um, I'll give you the very quick definition of coaching. It's the art and language of creating new possibilities. It is not the science of driving your own agenda. So uh, just back to your question here, I know there were a couple of parts to that. And when it comes to uh, whether it's a veteran, and tell me if I'm not answering question, or if it's a new person who's never been coached, uh, yes, you're right. The first thing we need to do is we need to set that, that kind of like tee up that conversation, set the parameters of what we're talking about. Once we do that, we're not done with the conversation. We now need to honor what we said we're going to do, which is, hey, what I'd love to do is sit down with you and recreate the rules of coaching so it's beneficial for you. Is this a good time now to talk about it? And they say yes. Great. So have you ever been coached before? What was your experience? Uh, what if we can make coaching valuable for you? What, it would, what would it look like? Walk me through your last coaching experience. How can I make sure I deliver value in every conversation? How can we make sure that I build the trust that we need so I can best support you and you can best hold me accountable to be your best coach? Don't worry about writing them down. Got them all written down for you. Does that answer your question, Jackson? No, yes. it does. I, I, I appreciate that. Perfect, perfect. And I'm big on, you know, uh, again, I believe I'm not I don't really <laughs> when we work together, you're going to see like Keith, you don't use a lot of slides. Yes, I don't use a lot of slides. You know why? Because I want to do this. I want to interact. I want to see your face. OK, and I rather use the slides as an ancillary resource. So keep in mind um, and, and I think that well, I know this is a very important point because it's already brought up. While managers are often heat-seeking missiles that focus on looking for problems to solve, we need to also coach the win. How else do your people know what behavior to reinforce if we don't collaborate and go through it with them? Now, again, this is a mindset and a strategy. So what does it sound like to coach the women? Again, guys, when we leave our sessions, you guys are gonna be leaving with action steps. You're gonna be leaving with home homework. But here's the thing, 
No one here can complain about it. But you know why? Because it's stuff you should be doing anyway. And you're going to be working with a peer coach. You're going to be assigned a peer accountability coach that you're going to be working with every week to, to reinforce the coaching, make you a better coach, get real coaching, and hold you accountable for your commitments. So getting back to coaching the win, what does that sound like? Well, hey, you know what, um, Darla, you you did such a good job turning that prospect around. I, I have to say, I didn't think you were going to close it this month. So walk me through what happened. How did you turn that customer around? Because they were really hostile in the beginning. How did you overcome some of those objections where they were also looking at some incumbents and some of our competitors? How did you make sure that they saw the value in what we can bring to the table? Walk me through what that sounded like. What are you doing? You're coaching the win. And then at the end, you're going to say, hey, let's take all these best practices, put them together, make sure they're woven into your entire sales strategy so you're always achieving the results you want. We're not coaching the win, guys. You don't have to answer it because we're so focused on solving problems and living in reaction mode. We're not taking the time to do this, and this is what people need most, okay? And that speaks to new people and veterans. And I want to jump back to what Mike said and give you something specific. Because I heard the word training, coaching, training, coaching, training, coaching, training, coaching. Um, I often hear from managers, Keith, when do I train? When do I coach? Make your life super simple right now, okay? Here's an example. If I want to learn how to play golf, soccer, football, whatever sport you like, okay? Or your kids, take your kids. They want to learn how to play soccer or football or baseball. And it's their first time working with the coach they've never played before. What is the coach going to do? Coach is going to train them. Foundation. Here's how you soccer kick a ball. Here's how you defend yourself. Here's how the positions work. Okay, here's how you keep score. Okay, training. Now, once someone is trained, they have a foundation of core competencies and best practices. So on the next session where the coach is working with the team, it's, okay, guys, get on the field. Let's see what you got. Okay, training is building the foundation of best practices and knowledge. Coaching is ongoing, never stops, okay, and reinforces the behavior that each individual needs, which is why the coach is on the sidelines watching the players play, because players can't self-diagnose when they're in the middle of the game, and neither can your salespeople. That's why observation is so key. The part I want to jump over here, and again, make your life super easy here, as my friends say in Boston, wicked easy, okay? How do you find out if it's a coaching or training issue? Question. Here we go. You ready? How much experience have you had around? Fill in the blank. How much training have you had around? Fill in the blank. What was the, when, can you, can you share with me um, the last time you experienced something like this? Well, boss, I actually never experienced something like this. Or actually the last time I experienced something like this, this is how I handled it. First one, training. Second one, they experienced it 
coaching. One question, and I gave you three different ones. We'll uncover, do they have the knowledge in the baseline? And if they do, if they, excuse me, if they don't, training. If they do, coaching. Has that landing on everyone? Good? Okay, cool. Thanks, Mike. All right. I think we have time for one more question, and Jason, you've been waiting patiently, so I'm going to go to you. Thank you, Mike. Good stuff already. I can't wait for these next few weeks, but yeah, uh, I've got some. I'm going to throw three questions in one because I couldn't, I guess, nail it down to a brief uh -oh, question. Hold on, so. hold on, hold on. Let me get my pad out here. Write them down. Hold on. It's all okay, kind of right. the same, just asked probably different ways. But uh, what would be the recommendation on how to coach someone that maybe is outside of your area of expertise? Mm -hmm. Do you have to be a subject matter expert to coach someone? And how do you overcome if you have a limited belief that maybe you're not qualified to coach them? Excellent. Excellent. So before before you answer, Keith, I just want to say, Jason, uh, that was pretty damn vulnerable, man. And I freaking love it. So oh, good work. Thanks, Bob. Absolutely. Really, really appreciate that. And I can tell you right now, I'd be shocked if there's not another peer on here that's not thinking the same thing which is why hearing from you not just me is so valuable so i'm going to answer these questions uh and and um make sure that you walk away with some uh some insights and strategies to handle this so number one let me just straight up lay it on the line for you guys if you hired me am i an expert in your business no I work with Microsoft, Oracle, Salesforce, you know, LinkedIn, a lot of tech, a lot of a lot of hospitality uh, companies I work with, a lot of hospices I work with. OK. Um, when it comes to being a subject matter expert, I am not an expert in your business. I am not an expert in home care. I am not an expert in that. OK, what I'm an expert in is coaching. Is maximizing human potential. So I want you to consider this, and it may sound counterintuitive. The more experience you have in your business, the, the less effective your coaching is. Anyone want to answer why that could be true? I could tell you now, the, the root cause. I was going to say, because we seem to think that we're the, the expert on the matter. And so we don't think that yeah. we can learn. Ooh, so if we don't think we could learn and we're an expert on a matter, is that a fact? Yes or no? No. Because <laughs> the last time I checked, I, I'm a lifelong learner. I learn every day. I'm learning from you today, too. So is it a fact? No. Why isn't it a fact? Because it's your biggest nemesis that is the root cause of lost sales, strange relationships, uh, inability of people to be receptive to your coaching, okay? Uh, communication breakdowns, departmental silos. I think I've caused enough pain enough for you guys. It's one word. Assumptions. Assumptions are the root cause of all evil. 
you want a really good question to ask, and it's called an assumptive-based question. You guys are getting some, some solid stuff that you can use even before our first session here. The most powerful question I would challenge you to ask in literally every conversation, including the conversations that you have with yourself, what assumptions am I making here? What assumptions might you be making in this situation? That is a billion dollar question because I will guarantee you, A, you've probably never been asked that question. Your, your team has probably never been asked that question. And I can tell you now, remember, they are making tons of assumptions. You know who else is making tons of assumptions about you and your industry? Your prospects and customers. Okay, so here's my point getting back. A veteran is going actually to do more assumptions than assessment. So when we work together, um, you'll find out in any conversation, you're either assuming the facts or you're assessing the facts, i.e. asking questions. So, um, and I say this not to be presumptuous, but if I was sitting next to one of your top salespeople uh, and I and I um, was making a, a, an outbound call and that person was making an outbound call and we get in touch with someone and we're having a great discovery conversation, I, I, will, I will guarantee you my conversation with your prospect will sound exponentially better than your veterans. Now, why? I just told you I'm not a subject matter expert. What, because of the fact that I'm not, I'm not making assumptions. So what am I gonna do more of? Ask questions, that's it. I don't have to be an expert in your business. I just have to be really good at asking questions. That's why the best salespeople are the best coaches today. So great stuff. Um, so again, do you have to be a subject matter expert to coach? Absolutely not. Think about it. You guys are coaching cross-departmentally here. Everyone here doesn't have the same job. Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, and let's 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 go off the presupposition, which is a disguised way of saying an assumption, that we don't know really about the other person's job. So imagine if you're having a one-on-one -on -one to learn about this person. You have no idea about their job, probably nothing about them personally, which is a whole other conversation we need to start having. Um, but what are you gonna learn? You're gonna ask so many questions, okay? So you don't need to be a SME. You don't need to be a subject matter expert. That's number one. The second one, I wanna I want be, and this is the inner game, all right? And I don't, and I'll raise my hand first, guys. I'm a, re I'm a recovering perfectionist control freak, okay? I don't suppose we have any other recovering perfectionists or control freaks on this call. Sarcasm, right? Okay, so here's the thing. Our perfection will get in the way because you're like, wait, I'm not ready to coach yet, Keith. I haven't mastered the leads coaching framework or I'm not ready to have that converse, difficult conversation, Keith, because I really haven't nailed down my enrollment statement. Guys, guys, that's called a diversionary tactic. That's a scam, okay, IEBS. All right, I want you to hear me when I say this and I want, and I haven't mastered looking 50 people in the eye, but I want you to imagine I am looking you right in the eye right now. And I want you to hear this. You have 
proven yourself. You have proven your self-worth. External things that you do, and we'll talk about confidence, are not tied to your confidence, okay? I want you to consider that you are not at work to prove yourself. You're at work to make an impact and to make people more valuable. So if you think you're in an imposter syndrome, that's an internal dialogue that you're having by yourself. And that's that little gremlin talking to you on, their sh on your shoulder, telling you all this stuff. So this is what you do with the gremlin. You say, thank you for sharing, now please go away. Because all that gremlin is, is negative, negative self-talk. So are you ready to coach? Absolutely. Think about what we talked about today. And, and please tell me, text me. I'm going to give you have my, all my contact information. Tell me, is there one thing that we talked about today and a tactic that you wouldn't use, that you, that you feel you can't use? Don't get caught up in, in, in making yourself wrong and thinking you have to be the perfect coach because the best coaches are authentic. The best coaches don't coach from their head. They coach from their heart, okay? And there are times when I'm coaching people, and I told you I've coached a lot of people. There were times when I might be having a conversation with someone and I'm so present, and we'll talk about the art of being present because we're really good at being present in the moment, right? Uh, and I might ask a question to, to one of my clients and I might say, you wanna know what? That's not the question I wanna ask you, Michael. I wanna take that back. This is the question I want to ask. Now, I've been doing this for 32 years, okay? Sometimes I ask a question, I, you get to take it back. There's no such thing as the perfect coach, and there's no such thing as the perfect coaching question. And the fact that all of you guys are here, tell me that you know that. You may not know it in here, or you may not know it in here yet, but you're here because you have a commitment to your people to the company and to yourself that you all just want to make yourself more valuable you know and i'll share with you the creed um, of, of coaching is this people create the mindset mindset shapes behavior behavior defines culture and culture determines success and that is why my friends the primary objective of every organization and manager is to make your people more valuable every day. So if you're getting stuck in your own self-assessment, okay, one of my favorite quotes is by Gandhi, so I certainly can't compare myself to Gandhi, nor am I taking his quotes, but I love this one. He said, the greatest way to serve yourself and others is to lose yourself in the service of others. Because if we're losing ourselves in the service of others, all of a sudden, we're no longer making it about us. And let me be exceedingly clear, and I, and I can't wait for our first session when we have more time. When you coach someone, and I don't often talk in absolutes, it's never about you. When salespeople are selling, it's never about them, but you and I both know they're making it about them, which is the reason why they're not selling. 
So I want you to consider what I shared with you. If you can just take your time to focus on the other person, that will eliminate any pressure you're putting on yourself to perform. Good stuff, Keith. I, I know we've got about three minutes before the top of the hour. We could do this all day, I think. And here's the good news. Y'all going to have three and a half hours, six different times to do this with him in a smaller group. So this is just the beginning. This is not the end. Uh, again, it's not an event. This is a journey. Uh, we're going to send out the slides and have a couple of logistics stuff. You're going to be hearing a lot from Caitlin throughout the process. Uh, raise your hand if you think Caitlin's awesome. There you go. So she is your point of contact throughout all of this. She's going to help you through all of it. She will be on the calls with you guys. If something comes up, she's got you. So that that we had two slides. That That's really what we were saying. Caitlin's awesome and she's in church. A um, <laughs> couple of things I want to say before we wrap up. Uh, this has been so much fun for me. And one of the things I've loved the most is looking at all the faces of people that most of you I have met now. Uh, there's a couple that I think I've met almost all of you, uh, and I freaking love this team. And I and I see so much potential. Like Ray, you're like the center square, Ray. Hi, Ray. Uh, I saw that smile. Uh, and one thing that Keith said that just made my heart really happy is when he looked you in the eye. Uh, he said something that I say sometimes uh, in a little different way. But what I heard him say uh, weren't his exact words, but I heard him say, "You are enough." And I just want you to sit with that for a second because there's a lot of times in this job, this is one of the hardest jobs in North America. Like it is tough and you're being pulled 48 different directions all at the same time and wherever you are and whatever you're focused on, you feel like it's the wrong thing because somebody else somewhere else needs something. And part of what we wanna do in this program is to help you find ways to scale because it is so hard to be pulled everywhere at once and always feel like you're in the wrong place. I'll tell you one very quick story and we're gonna close. Uh, I've told some of you uh, in interview processes, if you've interviewed with me in the last six months, I may have told you my dad was a career firefighter and he worked at one of the busiest firehouses in all of Fresno, California, and he loved it, constantly fighting fires. Then he got moved out to a less busy house where they had more time. So what they did is focused more on fire prevention. Guess what happened? They got exponentially less busy because they were preventing the future fires. And his observation was, what if we'd made time to do fire prevention at the busy house? We might not have been so busy. So part of what I want you guys to see this program as is kind of fire prevention, because we fight fires all the damn time. And I am not saying or suggesting that we won't have fires put out in the future, but what if we have fewer of them? And what if we managed them differently? What if we prevented them and mitigated them and managed them differently? Then we wouldn't be like, I don't have time for my top performers. You have to have time for your top performers. Buy yourself that time in terms of how you lead and manage your entire team. So my last comment for you, this is the right group of people in the right place at the right time. And our commitment is to give you the right support, the right tools, and the right resources to kick some ass. And that's what we're going to do together. So you guys, I know it's just past the top of the hour. It was so good seeing all of you guys. Uh, raise your hand if you're kind of jazzed and excited about this program. Cool. Me too. Uh, so I hope you guys have so much fun with Keith over the next couple of months. Lots of stuff coming from Caitlin. Uh, love you guys. So thankful for you. Have an awesome day, and we'll talk again real soon. Wishing you guys extreme success. Can't wait to work with you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, Keith.
Thanks, Mike. Thanks, everybody.